What's up, everybody? Welcome to the I Needed That Podcast. I am Chris Powell. And I'm Matthew Blade. So glad you're here. Uh, before we get to today's podcast, if you'll give us just a minute, I think everybody understands the fact that we are trying to put on a product here that we can sustain for a long time. And to do that, we're going to need to bring partners to the table. And we're really excited about some of our newest partnerships. And if you'll give us a minute, we just want to talk to you about a couple of them. Absolutely. So the first one would be NeuroGum. Have you, have you heard about NeuroGum? I have. I actually bought a pack of this gum at a Sprouts one time. How were you introduced to it? So a couple months ago, JB, who's our project manager on our app, is like, dude, I've got the best gum in the world. You're going to freak out. He gave me a sample. I loved it. Um, and, and he it's the funniest thing is like, not only does it make you feel great, increase your focus, but the flavor of it. I don't know how you guys did it, but you did it. And it's so good. It lasts forever. They have gone through a lot of formulations and processes and tests to make sure that each piece of gum and mint delivers the promise of getting you in the right state of mind. And so here's the thing. Go to the sponsor link, which we've set up for you at tryneurogum.com slash I needed that. That's T-R-Y-N-E-U-R-O-G-U-M.com slash I needed that to enjoy energy, calm, and focus whenever you need it. Try the gum, try the mint. You're going to love them both. Let's talk about BetterHelp. For so many people, it's an incredible service, and it's needed now more than ever. Amen to that, for sure. And what's so great about BetterHelp is it's the world's largest therapy service. It's all online, 100% online. So to get started, all you do is you answer a couple of questions about your needs, your preferences in therapy, and then you're off and you're scheduling uh, with somebody that is going to be able to talk to you. Now, what I love about BetterHelp is say you don't connect with somebody right away. There's, there's people waiting in the wings. Like, you can change therapists. That's no big deal. That's what I love about it, too. They'll actually match you up with someone who has uh, commonalities and has shared experiences. And so they can really connect with you because it's like, oh, yeah, well, I've been through that, too. Yeah. And yeah. we're going to save you a little bit of money. You can get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash I Needed That. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash I Needed That. And just so you know, we're going to throw all of this stuff in the show notes, too, because we really want you to take advantage of it. There is literally nothing better than talking to a therapist and picking up some tools to make your life more meaningful. And what I want to say to people is, is so many times we think about therapy and we think, oh, I'm broken. There's something wrong with me. There's almost nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. You no. just need a couple of tools and tricks and strategies and something like to kind of set you up and get you to the next place, right? That's, that's it. Just like we need exercise for our physical health. Therapy is there for our mental health, and you can't you can't have one without the other. It's a holistic approach, and I can't I cannot stress it strongly enough. Yeah. So go ahead and take a look in the show notes. Get a link to NeuroGum. Get a link to BetterHelp. Uh, really quickly, Move One Million. This campaign is growing exponentially, man. It's in schools, it's in churches, it's in assisted living homes. Um, talk to me about the latest edition of Move One Million. Who's just come to the party and why? Oh gosh. Well, we're actually. In the, in the process of, of making a curriculum for the National Academy of Sports Medicine for the American Council on Exercise. And so, yes, all, all the trainers out there across the world, certified trainers, can actually take a course to get continued education credits to learn about Move One Million and to bring it to their communities. So, guys, it's, it's just so much fun. I love it so much because you do. Uh, and it's it's and the best part, it's free for everybody. It takes, it's less than five minutes a day. You move for two and a half minutes. You be mindful for two minutes with people across the world. You know, you, if you plug it into your everyday jam and into your everyday routine, it can only benefit you. It's movement and mindfulness, and we do it all together. It's, the app it's beautiful. is totally free. Wherever you download apps, look for Move, the number one million, right? And you can get it there. You can go to also go to Move or M1M.org. That's it. M1M.org. Okay. Yep. And Super easy. Finally, uh, the last thing we'd love to tell you about is uh, I'm, I'm out there doing motivational speaking, and uh, I've just created a new curriculum for burnout. So while you're working on movement, I'm working on one of the biggest buzzwords out there right now. Teachers, nurses, uh, it doesn't matter what profession, almost everybody, including myself, once upon a time experienced burnout. What is it? What are the signs? What contributes to it? How can you move yourself out of it? How do we help you develop a self-care strategy? These are the workshops that I love putting on for all people all over the world, people all over the Phoenix area, and I would love a chance to come in and talk to your group and help you better understand burnout so you can, because you're never going to like fully avoid it, but boy, you could diminish it significantly. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, on top of that, I'm just going to brag on you for a couple seconds here because I've seen clips of your presentations and man, you get the crowd going. It is, it's awesome to see the interaction that you have with them and the connection. And when I say going, it's not like a big hoorah thing. 
you're genuinely connecting with them and you're getting yeah. real Thanks, and man. raw and and uh, but and again just you can see the magic that's happening there and the, and the fact that you're you're in there and you're changing their lives and you're giving them some real gold nuggets that they can take with them so Keep keep doing what you're doing. This is what you're. This is where you're supposed to be right now. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. Hero Gum, better help, move one million. Uh, learn from people who lived it. is how you connect with me. That's it. That's all we got for you today. You ready to get into the podcast? Let's go, buddy. Hoobie doobie. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing really, really well, my friend. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. good. I walked into the, uh, the studio today, and, and and things. I'm gonna be honest with you. Things felt heavy. I know you had kind of a big weekend. I had a big weekend, and and now we're both ready to set those things down. Be here now. Be present. And get with our crew on the I Needed That podcast. Yeah, no joke. My my whole vibe has changed in just the last 30 minutes of getting ready for this. Amen to that, yeah. brother. And it's all about environment. We, talk, we don't talk about it enough. That idea that the people that you're in and around every single day and what an impact that has on you. Yeah. Big time. Big time. Oh, yeah. All right. We're going to answer some great questions today on our I Needed That podcast. We've got some Would You Rather. We're going to play Name That Tune today. We're also going to sit down and spend a couple of minutes with Dr. Morgan Francis, who's the director of clinical psychology and a licensed mental health therapist. Um, And what's interesting is, you know, we go live on Facebook and Instagram every Monday before this whole thing. And we had a lot of people that wanted to know a variety of different things from a psychologist. But what are you really excited to kind of tackle and talk about with her? Well, of course, having been th- through the uh, the mental journey myself, it was it's like, what's that point at which you, you think or you know I need to go talk to someone? Mm-hmm. And so I, I would love for her to help kind of narrow that down. Or maybe it's like you got to be on a spectrum. Like some somewhere along there, just to know that okay, now, now it's time for me to start getting some help. All right, I'm going to talk sure. to her about the mind gut connection and what that relationship is like, especially because we are learning so many great pieces of information about that. We have to talk about spirituality's role in mental health, food's role in mental health. It is going to be an incredible podcast today. And without further ado, we bring her into the stream right now. There she is. Hi, Dr. Morgan Francis. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, we are more than happy to have you here. By the way, really quick, we were asking our Facebook audience, let's see if she knows the answer. What do you think the most common word that moms use is? No. <laughs> you got it. She's it. 100% on the money right you there. <laughs> you didn't even hesitate. You didn't you know, even I mean, have to hesitate. You the question out, and I was already saying the word no. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's so funny. Now, are you a mom yourself, Dr. Morgan Francis? I am. I have three children, 10, an almost nine-year-old, and a seven-year-old. So is it true? Is no the number one word? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're not alone. (laughs) That's so fantastic. Well, we're going to get into some great uh, stuff with you today. And I think we should start with where you want to begin, because it's one of the questions that we got from our studio audience. When you talk about mental health, there is that question of, when do I know? Yeah. When, when am I ready to go talk to a counselor? Not even ready. Like, when do I need to talk to a therapist, a counselor? What is, is there a duration of time in which you might be struggling with something? Or is there a certain, I don't know, visceral reaction that you need to have to know, okay, now it's time for me to go talk to someone. That's a really great question. And and my personal opinion and obviously my professional opinion is that everyone should do therapy at some point in their life. And there's not really a time that you have to look at it as far as how many days or weeks or months that you are going through something. How we assess it is how it is affecting your ability to function in your mm. life. Mm. So how it's affecting your social and or romantic relationships, how it's affecting your ability to work how it's affecting your ability to be a friend or a parent, how it's affecting your ability just to take care of yourself. And so we look at the dysfunction that's happening in your current life to determine, okay. And right now we look at it from a mild, moderate to severe uh, spectrum, right? And anyone can float across that spectrum at any time. So I always tell people, you do not have to wait until you're at the bottom. You mm. don't have to wait until you have relapsed over and over and over again. And that, you know, being able to come in, have a safe place to talk about your feelings, your thoughts, and your life 
is a very, very positive experience for all of us. Let me get your take on this. I, I have a good friend on the other podcast that I run called Learn From People Who Lived It. And he's kind of got this three-week time frame. He says, you know, if, if things have been affecting you in a way where it's been three weeks now and you still can't kind of shake the feelings, that's a, that's a pretty good um, time stamp to put on it. Mm-hmm. Give me your thoughts on that. You know, in my experience, denial is really powerful. And so it can be three weeks and we can be in that denial still, Mm. right? Because it's the most basic, readily available coping mechanism. We can push it away. And I don't know about all of you, but I'm really good at staying busy. And so if I'm (laughs) continuing to stay busy and add things into my life and create, you know, uh, projects or focus on work or my children, you know, I can avoid. And and even though something's really bothering me over time, I may not feel like it's I'm worthy enough to come into therapy. And I think that's important to talk about, too, that you are worthy, right? Your pain is worthy enough to be heard. So that's why I always strongly encourage people, even if it's one or two sessions, go in and have that support system for you. Yeah. While we're talking about just the the beginning steps of therapy, counseling, what is the first step that someone needs to take when they say, okay, I do need to talk to someone because there's therapists, there's counselors, there are licensed social workers. Who do you go see? And, and what do you do? Do you, do you look them up online? Do you make a phone call? What's the first step for someone who, who says, I, I, need, I need help. I need to talk to someone. Yes. And that's actually the hardest step is that first step. And so, you know, I have friends, I have people that will reach out to me and ask me, who do you recommend? So I think it's always helpful to ask someone who maybe is in this field or someone who's going to therapy to ask them, do you know someone that I could go see or do you have a referral? The other place is to go online and it's psychology today is the main website that houses a lot of therapists in your area. And you can just put in your zip code and then some of the filters of the areas you're wanting to focus on and then call to see, you know, if you need to use your insurance, um, do they take your insurance or are they private pay? Another way is to actually call the 1-800 number on the back of your insurance card to see who is a provider that is already covered by your insurance in your area. So those three things are how you can start to go into therapy. And then once you're there, it really, honestly, it doesn't so much matter to me about the licensure, whether they're a social worker, LPC, uh, you know, a doctor, it's about the rapport. You know, do I feel comfortable and safe? Do I connect with this therapist? Because I've done my own therapy and I've been across from therapists that I really jam with. And I'm, I mean, I'm, Thank goodness for them. And then I've been across with therapists and I'm like, oh, hell no. Right. Me too. We've been through that journey. It's really comes down to like, can this person hold space for you in a way where you feel like you can unload? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've I've talked to plenty of psychologists and it sounds like you agree with uh, this sentiment. It's like, not everybody needs a doc. Like some people need a really competent friend who's very good at listening and can hold space. And maybe they've been through a few things with you before. I'll tell you one of the things that I wanted to ask you while we're talking about this is this word momentum. Um, And it is such a powerful word when it comes to mental health, because you could wake up, you could be in the middle of the mud, you know, nine o'clock in the morning, just waking up feeling crappy. I don't even want to get out of bed. And you're like, all right, today's the day I'm going to make the call. And then you call the therapist and they say, awesome, we can get you in in three weeks. And you know what I mean? And then the steam dies and you, you lose all your momentum. So can we just spend a few minutes talking about the momentum? of mental health and how we could keep up the momentum when our appointment might not be for a few days and how to avoid that denial That's distraction it. because you got some time to kill. What can you, you, what can you do to get help now? Well, I think, you know, it is a problem that we have so many therapists that are essentially filled. You know, my practice is, is, is filled. And so we saw a big increase in mental health, obviously around COVID, um, you know, a big, big focus was on how do we take care of ourselves. So I agree with you that it is tough to keep the momentum. And I think, you know, podcasts like your, like the one you have right now yeah, sure. is a great resource for people. I think there, there is benefit. you know, I have a, I have a, uh, love hate relationship with social media, because I think on one hand, it can be super helpful. Um, it can be supportive and we can make connections and learn about mental health and we can get free resources 
from social media. So I, I always tell my clients, you know, look at social media, look at the podcast interviews that I've done. I have what's called mindful messages, which are free text messages to help you with your mental health. Anyone can sign up for those. They're free. And so there are resources out there that we can we can access until we are in that session with our therapist. Yeah. You just mentioned a buzzword there, which is uh, social media. And one of our Facebook friends that uh, we were chatting with prior to this said, what is the screen time impact on our mental health? And in a lot of ways, I feel like it's too new. I don't know if we can answer that question. We don't have 10, 15, 20, 30 years of research right. to tell us exactly what the long-term implications are of it. But as, as somebody who sits in your chair on the day-to-day, Dr. Morgan Francis, what do you see as screen time's impact on mental health? Well, there is an impact. Um, and you're right, we don't have the, the as enough longitudinal studies, but we do know that it can have adverse effects on children, teen girls, especially teen girls with body image eating disorders. Um, and there are negative you know, feelings that can happen for somebody who spends too much time consuming, 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 consuming. And so like anything, we need to have appropriate boundaries. We need to have safeguards. We need to have alerts to remind us, okay, it's time to get off now. Um, And that's really hard to do because the social media is meant to keep you engaged. The whole thing is about 100%. 100%. I remind people all the time, the same people that design social media make the games in casinos. Mm -hmm. Like you have to know that. Yes. You have to know that. Yes, and I, I say the same thing. It's the psychology behind addiction, right? And how to get those little that the, that that dopamine release, and like there is a whole, there is a an incredible science. You're being worked, bro. Yeah. You're being worked. Sure. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly. Oh my I'm goodness. not even had in full agreement with both of you about this. There's yeah. a whole science. There's a whole research team behind this. And all of them know this. And so, yes, there there is adverse effects, and there, like I said, there can be positive effects too. I don't sure. want to, you know rain on social media, but we really have to be cautious. Yeah. And you got to follow the right people. We talk a lot about this on the podcast. It's like, that is your environment these days. And so if you're following 30 or 40 or 50 people and they're pumping out garbage, they're, you're getting filled with it. So you have to delete those people from your social media accounts and then start to add folks that, you know, make more sense for your life. Here's another question that we got from somebody in our Facebook feed, which was, why do I self-sabotage? Now, I know why I used to self-sabotage. Do you know why you used to self-sabotage? I'm still discovering that. I, I do know why some of the reasons I did before. Actually, I'm going to take this back. I, I know one of the, the main things that's driving me, but as far as self-sabotage goes, still discovering it. Mm. Take it back. Yeah, okay. Still, still I want to hear your opinion, Dr. Morgan Francis, please. Well, self-sabotage, you know, we talk a lot about our fear of failure, right? And, you know, being afraid to, you know, fail or make mistakes. And yet we don't talk enough about the fear of success. What if I become as big as they think I can become? Mm -hmm. Or what if I'm actually capable of being able to be lovable or worthy enough of this success and however you define success, joy, and happiness? And that can terrify us just as much as failure. And so there's this fear of joy. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever been, I mean, this has happened to me where I've been driving and all of a sudden I'll think about, you know, something tragic happening to my children or my husband. And I'm like, oh my gosh, where did that come from? You know, why did that happen? Right. Because it's that fear, like, oh my gosh, you know, it's the joy. It's the joy that I'm afraid that something bad or traumatic could happen and I could lose it in a split second. Mm -hmm. And so, in order to protect ourselves, we subconsciously will self-sabotage in a way to make it so that we do end up not being able to move forward. And we stick, we stay stuck in the failure because although failure is uncomfortable, it's familiar. What did you want to say? Well, brilliant. It's funny that you mentioned that. I know. I love that answer too. I spent my, I, I've, I've lived in the world of transformation and helping people through significant transformation. And that is actually, it's the fear of success that I run into more than anything with people that are losing a significant amount of weight. Because when we really started to to dig into that with the people um, that are going through this journey, they're saying, and the the response is typically like, what happens? Well, when I do lose the weight and to keep it off, it comes with a great deal of responsibility. 
Because, and, and then on top of that also, some of them who are extremely brave and, and very open about it, they said, well, what happens if I do lose the weight and all the things that I used to blame, oh, well, I, mean, I couldn't do that because I was overweight or he didn't like me because I was overweight or that happened because I was overweight. All those excuses are taken away. And now you have to live in your ownership and taking full responsibility of everything. My people, it's not like, and I say my people, the people I love to take through the journey of transformation, they're not afraid of failure. They're more afraid of success and the ownership exactly. that comes with that. I completely agree with you. And it is, it's, it's now I'm really being seen. That's I'm it. being seen in a way that I have not been seen before. Because what I've always been seen as, as, a, as an overweight or a person living in a larger body, and that's how the world has judged me. But now it becomes about who I am. Now mm. it becomes about my decisions. Now it becomes about things about my life that I haven't yet understood because I've been able to keep that in the background of my weight, shape, and size. Bingo. And, and, and Dr. Yes. Morgan, you, you said something a couple minutes ago that really got to the root of it all. What if after all of this, I'm not lovable? What if I'm not worthy? Right. And, and, but can I also say you, you might not be to the people that you've kept around your, yourself and in your environment, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you start to shift and change mm -hmm. the byproduct of that is that some people are going to have to go. Some people yeah. are going to have to take off yeah. and, and that's what needs to be said, right? Yes. Like I know this when I went through my, uh, when I set down alcohol, it's like, okay, there's mm -hmm. an A and a B. I don't get to hang out with those party clubber people anymore. They're not a part of my life. Right. And as a result, I have to make some new friends. That's a little spooky. That's yeah. a little scary. Yeah. We, we always, it we, is scary. I love that you said that. Oh, yeah. And, and, and for us, we always, we always encourage them to expand their circle because some folks they're stuck with no matter what. But so easy to say, expand your circle to people that, that do love you for this journey, incredible journey you've been through right. and for who you are. And yes, you are worthy. And it's like, it's constantly working them through that, but you're right. It's, it's important to identify the people that you kind of need to push to the outside of the circle. Sometimes you can't get rid of them, but just understand who those people are in, in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's, since we're talking about transformation and food and some of these types of things, what is food's role in mental health these days? Have you, I'm guessing we're starting to learn a ton about the relationship to food and mental health. Oh yeah. I mean, there's such a big connection, right? And I think we can take the research from <clears throat> You know, even Dr. Mark Hyman from the Cleveland Clinic. I mean, there's tons and tons of research that shows that there is a relationship. And I kind of go under the guidelines of gentle nutrition, right? So a lot of the work that I do falls intuitive eating principles. And gentle nutrition is one of the principles of intuitive eating that it is important that we have a well-rounded, you know, I'm going to use the word like relationship with food, because I really believe it's a relationship. I don't look at it as counting calories or macros or you know, carbs and things like that. I look at it as, you know, being really in tune with what is your body needing right now? And maybe your body is needing something that's really comforting. I, I find a lot of women nowadays will eat on the go. They rarely eat a hot meal. Um, it's, you know, mm. not with a fork or a knife. It's, you know, something that's just easy and because they're, they're constantly going. And so, you know, a lot of the work is just being able to have that gentle nutrition to get foods that are going to have the vitamins, the, the minerals, the nutrients that we all need. And at the same time, give yourself that permission to have the foods that are finding joy and satisfaction and flavor so that we're not sending you sending anyone out for a restrictive, you know, episode or a binge episode. Um, and so, yes, we want to have gentle nutrition. It's very important to our mental health. I can feel yeah. like you're agreeing with everything she's talking oh, about. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, all, all of our neurotransmitters, they're made from the foods that we eat and it's all about how well we absorb it through our gut. So it's like you, you have to have good gut health in order for our body to, to be functioning properly. You need all of your vitamins and minerals because it's basically putting the hammer and the nails in your body to create the dopamine, the serotonin, the GABA. I mean, all, all the good stuff that's going to allow our, our neurochemistry to function properly, right? Okay, so let's, yeah. uh, you walked us right to it, that relationship between mind and gut. Um, we are learning a lot of great stuff about that relationship right now, and I am in love with the smart people who are saying, it's the same thing. Like, stop separating your mind. They're the same thing. Tell me how you feel about that. 
Oh, I completely agree. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Dr. Gabor Mate, who talks a lot about bringing in, you know, the, the more of the Eastern medicine and understanding that it, it is all connected. Everything's connected. We can't just treat like one part. And that's why I love, you know, looking at mental health as a big umbrella. There's so many pieces that come from mental health. And people think, okay, when I come in for therapy, am I just talking about what's going on right now? Yes. And we're going to talk about what happened in your childhood because that sets you up for what's happening right now. The body remembers. We know this mm. from research. We know this. Body keeps the score, baby. Mm-hmm. Body keeps the score. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, you both know that this is so important. And so, yes, it isn't, you know, nutrition, who we hang out with, movement and exercise are critical to our mental health. Go, going back to that inner child work. Um, yeah. You're about to open up a huge oh, can here, bro. This, this is an episode. I mean, this un- is like, yeah. A, yeah, this is an episode by itself. Unto itself. But go for it. I love it. So, is is that probably the common denominator that I mean, when when you start working with an individual, will you always take them into their past? Absolutely. I can't do what I do without talking about what they've been through. Um, it's the roots. If we think of a tree, it's the roots of the tree. I'm looking at the branches, but really I need to know how it, how it grew. Mm. You know, did it get enough water? Did it get Mm. enough sunlight? Did it get enough soil? What were the conditions? Right. And so that is so important in our inner child work. And for those people that are listening that don't understand it, it's the younger you, it's the little Chris, it's the little Matthew, it's little Morgan and the things that he or she, you know, went through and those experiences and those experiences shape us, right? They shape our thoughts. They shape our feelings. They shape our mind body connection. They shape the way that our body responds to stress. And so it is really important that we do discuss those things in therapy. I went through therapy a couple of years ago and I had a heavy sesh. You know a lot about this, but Dr. Morgan, uh, I I went to a retreat where for basically four and a half days, I just went to work on all that stuff. And it was in that Mm -hmm. retreat that I was made aware of the inner child wounds, what that really meant. And I want to share with everybody really quickly. I just kind of feel drawn to, if you don't mind, the, the one of the exercises that they put me through because it was so powerful. Uh, The idea was that I had to recall some episode from my childhood uh, or my past. It doesn't always have to be your childhood, but some traumatic episode from from my past. And the idea was that I was going to walk into the room as my higher self and as the 49-year-old gentleman that I am right now. And I was going to walk into that room with my higher self and the 49-year-old me, and I was going to look at that little boy who was nine years old. And I was going to go sit next to him. And me and my higher self were going to have this conversation where we basically let him off the hook. We basically said, hey, man, you endured something that you weren't supposed to. What happened to you was incredibly unfair, and um, it's basically not yours to carry anymore. We appreciate how you have been keeping us safe all of these years with this particular operating system. And I could get really emotional right now, but once you are able to unlock that piece of why things have been holding you back. And, and you can tell that little boy, like, set, set that down, man. That's not for you to carry anymore. That to me was the game changing moment in my life. It was like, mm. oh my God, I'm making all of these decisions because of that. I keep doing this because of that. And I'm going to tell you, when I went through the exercise of letting that little boy off the hook, Dude, Chris, it was, it was, it, 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 there was an A and a B, Matthew, right? There was a before yeah. and an after. So I would love to hear our, our doc's opinion on, on that and yours too. I can feel that right now. Yeah. Man, yeah. It's a big deal. Absolutely. It's a big deal. Well, I, I have goosebumps from <laughs> what you just shared and I could just see, you know, the way that you were sharing it. And Chris, I so appreciate you leaning in and giving him, you know, a physical touch to let him know that you know, he has that support and you actually put your hand behind his back. And that's what we do. We, we, we help people. We support people with their hand behind their back. Yeah. And so just the, this, the exchange of energy between the two of you was also really powerful just to witness. And I really, I hope that, you know, Matthew, you sharing that gives permission to people everywhere that's listening right now to be able to give themselves the ability to say, it's okay. It's okay for me to remove that burden of responsibility that I had as a child, because it wasn't my burden to carry. Right. 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 And that's what you did. You did that for your inner child by going in 
and saying, you know, this wasn't your fault and you don't have to be carrying this anymore. Right. And you, you reparented yourself by having that moment in your retreat with your inner child. Um, and that is really truly what inner child work is. It's that transformation. And so it's extremely powerful and done in a safe place with the right providers. It can be incredibly cathartic. Yeah. How, how would somebody know that? Because for me, I didn't know until I knew. So how would somebody who doesn't necessarily know right at this moment, they just know like a series of things keep happening to them that they don't really care for. They don't really like, like their life just doesn't make much sense. They feel a little lost. They keep searching, but they kind of, you know, keep turning off the, the wrong rocks, the wrong stones. How would somebody even know that there, that it was an inner child wound that's holding them back? Great question. So there's a reason that patterns repeat themselves because they haven't been resolved. Right. So there may be a pattern of codependency that continues to show up with, you know, maybe it started with your mom and then it became your, a sibling and then it became a coworker and then it became a romantic partner. And so it's really the, the people have changed, but the, but the theme is the same, mm-hmm. right? That um, I, I put myself last and I put all my energy and all my focus on everybody else. And I know what everybody else wants, but I really have no idea what I want. You know, that is the basic uh, definition of codependency. I don't know what you want, but I know what I want. You know, your needs come before my needs. And so, you know, burden of responsibility, codependency, repressing our anger, those are constant themes that can show up consistently. And so when that's happening, then we really know that there's a deeper, there's a deeper wound. It's not going to just get resolved by talking about, you know, changing your thoughts. No, no, no. We have to go back in and we have to reparent you and look at, you know, this little child, this little Chris, this little Matthew, this little Morgan, and really get to understand her and the trauma and the neglect that she or he felt during those younger years. And like you did in your work, Matthew, is go back in and reparent and continue to reparent. Continue Um, to. That's the deal, right? Because somebody on our Facebook group asked, you know, when you work on your mental health, do you ever really get better? And I wanted to almost say, no, but you pick up all the tools you're going to need to manage it when it starts, when it keeps showing up or when yeah, it does show up. That's absolutely. the deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's no final destination. <laughs> right. No, no, it's interesting. I, um, so I, I actually did some inner child work as well and, um, with, uh, with some EMDR as well. And it. it was incredible. And, uh, but what the, the, my takeaway from the whole thing was that, especially if you're carrying guilt and shame around mm-hmm. something that happened when you were a child, you know, my therapist actually guided me to go back through and, you know, I confronted the, the, it was the eight year old me at the time. And, um, but my takeaway from the whole thing was that when she guided, as she guided me through this experience, she's like, what is it that you want to say to them? What do you want to do? And, and I wanted to give him a hug. I wanted, mm. I wanted to show him compassion and let him know that it's okay. And she's okay, man. And, and it was, and it was for me, it was the awakening of the fact that like Dr. Morgan, you had mentioned, it's just that constant that you're running that program over and over and over. And the program was guilt and shame. But then she was like, but why, but you didn't actually come back and you didn't guilt and shame that, that young boy, you showed him love and forgiveness. And that was the part that was the big eye-opening experience for me. I was like, that was exactly what I needed to show myself at the time was that love and forgiveness and that compassion to carry. And, and that's what actually helped me start to reprogram it. Because um, you're an adult now and you can give yourself what you need, right? You're not that helpless child anymore who is really kind of a victim of their environment. And the you know, when you're eight years old, there's not a, like, you don't have a ton of say in what happens yeah. to you. And, and you don't get to, and you don't know enough to, to be like, hold on a second, mom, feel like you're shaming me a little bit in this moment. It's probably going to have some long-term amplifications. So we don't yeah. have that, that skill set. We just know that we are shamed. We are guilted. We are feeling these emotions. And then, like you said, that becomes the operating system. And yes. you really have to work on changing the operating system. And that, man, that just takes a lot of time. I, if Listen, really quick. If anybody has picked up anything from this conversation today, it's go and call somebody and start doing some inner child work because it was profoundly mm. the moment that my life changed. And I, and I can just tell from your head bobs and your head bobs, yeah. Dr. Morgan, that you know how powerful that one thing is. 
Oh yes, it really is. It's, it's trans, it's everything. It really is. Mm, Yeah. We all have that inner child that needs that work no matter what. Last question that we had from our audience that I can ask you is uh, what is spirituality's role in mental health? Something we haven't tapped onto yet, but, uh, and I don't want anybody to think that we're going down this road of having some big church and religious conversation because I think we're all becoming hip and aware enough to know that things are, they're, 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 they can be two very different things for, for folks. For sure. And spirituality to me seems more independent, more me more my soul, uh, it, whereas religion is a little bit more of a collective thought process or something like that. But I defer yeah. to the doc. Spirituality's well, role in mental health, go. <laughs> I, I believe it's in, incredibly important, right? And I love the word spirituality because it's not organized, meaning it can be whatever it needs to be for you. And it's a connection to something bigger than you right? It could be a God. It could be the universe. It could just be this energy. And I think that it's very helpful for us to bring in spirituality and bring in the whole embrace of there's something more than just what's happening to me right now in this moment that's going to guide me, that's going to help support me through this transformational journey of my mental health, right? And I think if we can lean on that then we feel again another level of a support system that the universe is always constantly communicating with me. It's sending me whispers that I need to pay attention to. Look at this, pay attention to that, see this. And you know, time after time we may deny those whispers, we may ignore them. But if if we keep ignoring them, it's gonna hit us over the head with a boulder. And so you know, it will wake us up to see, see. This is it. This is what you need to be moving and looking at to understand yourself. So I work with that. Spirituality is is on your side. It's an ally. Mm. It's there to help you and support you through your journey. Yeah, I love that. Spirituality is on your side. (laughs) Like that's the truth. It is. And and you see the the effects of, um, you know, so one of the most, I would say, impactful programs out there is like Alcoholics Anonymous or Pills Anonymous or like all, all like it's, it's the, the 12 step program and spirituality. It's, it's a part of it. But again, they don't say it's not about God. It's, it could be the universe. It could be, it could be whatever, just something bigger than yourself, it to a, right? yeah, something bigger than yourself, giving it to a higher power and the effect and yes. how, how powerfully that has genuinely changed and saved lives. So there's, mm. there is something there. There's something so powerful to it. And we know the statistics tell us that meditation and prayer single-handedly do three things. They improve decision-making, they improve your outlook on life, and they prepare you for the difficult moments ahead. We know this. Like Plenty of people have gone down the road and done a lot of research on it. And so don't get hung up on words. If you don't like the word pray, fine. Call it breathing. Call it yeah. mindfulness. I, like, I don't care what word you use. But get centered, drop out of your heart, drop into your heart, drop out of your head, get into your heart, get into your body a little bit and just start to breathe. Chris yeah. and I talk about it all the time. He's a big box breather, right? Mm-hmm. I do transcendental meditation. I don't know if you meditate or pray, but give me your, give me a couple of tools that you like, Dr. Morgan. Well, I agree with you. It's all about the breath. I'm, I'm very much into, I'm a spin instructor. So um, I, you know, breath is very important to me and being able to teach my children this. I think that's another piece of it is you know, helping, you know, our, the people that we love that are in our family understand that the breath is where it all happens. And so it's not about telling someone to calm down. It's let's pay attention. We've all seen that work a hundred times in the history of the world. (laughs) Telling someone to calm down has never gotten anyone to calm down. Never. No, it's not worked (laughs) one time. Oh my God. It's amazing. So connect with the breath. I love prayer work. I love meditation. I use those as coping tools whenever I'm just not feeling like myself. And again, I practice this with my kids. So I think that's part of, you know, passing down some of the things that we learn because obviously we are so privileged being able to have these connections and resources that we've been able to create through our careers to be able to then to educate and give those connections. I'm sorry, give those resources to the people to help them. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Morgan Francis, the doctor of clinical psychology and licensed mental health therapist, uh, Scottsdale Premier Counseling. I know you do tons of work with adults, but you also do a lot of work with kids too. And uh, I don't know about you, Chris, but from my vantage point, that person on the right is somebody that any one of our 
audience members could trust and reach out to if they have some questions and, and want to do some great inner child work. I love it. Um, anything that we've left off the table that you feel like we should mention? Is there anything you want to ask us before you go, Dr. Morgan Francis? <laughs> know, okay. We're going to turn the tables now, yeah, right? Yeah, flip it. Flip it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. But thank you both so much for having me on. This You're has welcome. been such a pleasure. And I feel like all these questions were great. So I really appreciate your audience being super interactive and being able to ask these questions. And they can find me on social media, on Dr. Morgan Francis, um, on Instagram, if they have any other additional questions. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so Dr. much. Dr. Morgan Francis, appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. All Bye-bye. right. See, See you next time. Unbelievable. I am such a Dr. Morgan Francis oh, fan now. Oh, man. And uh, talk about uh, a wealth of knowledge. And we're just, we're just scratching the surface here. I'm really excited to, uh, to dive back in with her and have some, uh, some continued conversations as well. All right. So lots of fun stuff because I feel like that was kind of a heavier uh, conversation up front. Let's end on a lighter note. You down <laughs> yes, for it? Yes, please. So let's we, go. We've got Would You Rather. We've got Name That Tune. And then I've got a hilarious story uh, from the weekend. Um, why don't you go ahead and connect your phone and we'll play That's... Name That Tune right now. Because <laughs> you, you know me too well. It's exactly where I thought we should go next. And uh, I've picked a couple of songs. I feel like one of them is going to be super easy, and so I'm going to actually go with my more difficult one today. Okay. So, um, are you ready? Can you connect your phone to Bluetooth and listen at the same time? I can do, but, well, no. I <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Everyone who knows me knows I can only do one thing at a time. Here we go. My, my, my song's first. Ready? Okay, yeah. All right, here it is. You just get a little clip. Just like the dragonfly. Lenny Kravitz. What's the song? Uh, are you gonna go? No, it's not. Are you gonna go my way? It's a just like a dragonfly into the sky. <laughs> You're on it, dude. You're on it. I want to get away. I want to fly away. There it is. I think I'll stick around. I want to fly away. Yeah, yeah. Lenny Kravitz, awesome. He was just in some Netflix movie that I watched, or maybe it's this Netflix show that everybody's talking about, and I can't remember the name of it. Yeah. All right, you picking a good song yeah, for me? Yeah, yeah, okay, right. so, okay. I just get the opening lyric, or the opening chord. Okay, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you back to the 80s, as I always do. I love it. Now this one, I think it's an amazing song. It seems to be one, one of the lost songs of the 80s, so this is going to be a <laughs> challenge. Let's see if you can do it. Okay, go ahead. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I might have lost everybody on this one. Hold on. Keep going. I'm just going to need more than a couple of chords. Okay. I might need the whole three minutes of the sure. song. I can take it a little bit further then. Here we go. Open your eyes. Wow. Okay, here we go. Here, hold on, hold on. I am totally out on this one. Okay. But you are a deep-rooted 80s fan. Here we go. This is the song. Always I want to be with you and make believe with you and live in harmony, harmony all So I kind of know that song, but not really. I'm so sorry. I, I yeah, I'll, I'll do better next time. That was a deep cut. Who is that? That's Erasure. Oh, it is Erasure. erasure. Always. Yes. Okay. Dude, it's just it's okay. such a good jam. It is a good I jam. Yes, I'm not gonna. Okay, it's, that was a tough one. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'll. I'll, I'll uh, you don't have to try harder. I'll I need to try up. harder next time. <laughs> it's all good. Um, Would you rather was so hilarious today because we went to Facebook Live and we got a ton of feedback on this first question, which is: Would you rather live alone in a mansion or in a crowded apartment with strangers? Now. Um, let everybody in on what the Facebook and Instagram live audience had to say. Overwhelmingly. Overwhelmingly alone in a mansion. Mm-hmm. But, but I think the stipulation, though, is that Him you're going to be alone forever, right? In a Alo- big-ass house. Yes. All by yourself. So, like, how important is human connection to you? Like, they, that's the ultimate qu- connect. That's, that's, a, that's a big question there. And also, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. What'd you say? I said I'd live in a little alone in a mansion. <laughs> and, and I'm going off of, okay, so a lot of people are like, well, what is an introvert and what is an extrovert, right? Okay. So I, I think once you really start to define them, an extrovert is someone who can 
I'm just going to put this in lay terms, like can really recharge around other people. So if you find yourself, um, you know, if in a group of people and you find yourself getting more and more charged up and then like you can leave and you feel incredible, great. Or are you the person where if you're around a lot of people, you need to step away and you need alone time to recharge. Mm. So which, which one are you? And so extroverts, obviously they get fired up around when being around groups of people. And then you and I have talked about this before though, that sometimes you're around the wrong people. Yes. Because you can, you, you, you claim to be somewhat of an introvert, but you know, like, well, I'll come over and maybe you're with a couple of other people and all of a sudden you're like jacked up and ready to go. Yes. And, and that's, this is what makes me confused. because (laughs) I think I'm an introvert, but at the same time, if I'm around the right people and the right energy, we have a great time. You leave. I'm fired up. Yeah, me too. And right. I feel great for the next few hours. Then sometimes you're around other people and you leave and you're like, oh, I just. I need a nap. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or I'm so, going to Maui tomorrow. Yes. I need a vacation from that. <sighs> yes. So it's like what I I'm, I'm still can't quite figure myself out. I think I think for the, the majority of the time, I like my alone time so I can recharge. But I, again, if you're around the right people, man, that's a, it's a beautiful thing. So I'm somebody who said I'd live in a crowded apartment with strangers because eventually the strangers would become your friends, potentially. <laughs> or, or quite the opposite. That's why I have that look yeah. on my face, right? I was going to say, they can, it can go one of two ways. Yes. There's going to be no middle of the road there. Next question. Yes. Would you rather go on a cruise with your boss only or never vacation again? <laughs> that's always a depends. I'm sure, I'm sure we're going to get mixed reviews on this one. So how about you first? That's well, different now, right? Because I left corporate America and I am sort of my own boss. Now you are the same way. Right. Um, but, but if I think back to when, like I, my last job, yep. I don't know. I got along with my boss. Okay. So the thought of like never going on vacation again, kind of, freaks me out a little right <laughs> so i think I, i'm gonna i'm thinking i'm gonna go on vacation with my boss only i'm going on a cruise with my boss i think i'd go on a cruise on, with my boss yeah just uh, yeah I'm, I'm i'm putting myself in my position way back when when i did have a boss and we had a decent relationship sure it was decent and so. i would also suggest that anybody that works on the powell media team uh <laughs> feels the same way they would all rather go on a cruise with you than be be in a position where they never got to go Ever well, again. it's funny because that's actually one thing that we all kind of daydream about now is finally like sometime in the future, all of us going on a cruise together and, and the whole team's fired up about it, or at least they're saying they're fired up about it. I we mean, 100% need to do that, dude, and to bring the podcast yes. on the cruise ship. That would be a blast. That would be so much fun. Hey, by the way, who's I, down for the, I needed that cruise. I got to fill you in on some stuff. <laughs> yeah. It, it could be a possibility. Yeah. I like what yeah. I'm feeling here. Mm-hmm. I like what I'm mm-hmm. feeling a lot. Um, we had some feedback from one of our audience members before we get to a close here, and then I'm going to kind of end with a humorous story today. But uh, Carrie Ann underscore 13 said, can you guys spend just a few minutes talking about habit stacking? Mm. And I love uh, this conversation as a result, as it revolves around the sporting world, uh, because, you know, I do mental coaching for youth athletes, and, yes. I, and we talk about some habit stacking with them. Talk to me about it from probably the perspective that Carrie N underscore 13 is asking you to, which is in the transformation, weight loss, health journey. Right. So it was a, a really interesting study that was done a while back. Um, and it was, it was talking about the efficacy of taking on, of adopting different habits. And the numbers are really mind blowing, but they're super powerful also. And um, so they actually found that over, and they, they were studying a group of individuals over the course of a year. If an individual took on one habit, a simple daily habit that they could do every single day, then they had an over 80% chance of continuing that habit, that small daily habit beyond one year. The moment they took on two habits, that number dropped down to 30, below 35%. The moment they took on three, that number dropped down to less than 5%. We're able to continue on three habits beyond the course of a year. However, those numbers changed, but the huge eye-opening experience because it's like, oh my gosh, take on one thing at a time. 
henceforth the importance for habit stacking. So you take on one thing and when you have actually adopted that and it feels, and it starts to become reflexive to the point where you don't have to really put too much effort into it. It becomes a part of your daily routine. Now it's time to start to, to consider adding something else to the stack. If you try to take on two or three things at once, your chances of long-term success drop significantly. So let me put this like really, um, Literally. Yes. So if somebody comes out of the gate and they're like, okay, I'm going to start drinking more water. I'm going to work out 45 minutes a day and I'm going to, I don't know, wake up 30 minutes earlier so I can do this. Like you're saying, hold on, just add one of those. That's terrible. Yeah. You, you screwed yourself. Yeah. Your chances of long-term success, it'd be like less than five out of a hundred people could actually do wow. that. Okay. Yes. And so that's, mm. that's the importance of habit stacking. So the key there is to, okay, adopt one habit at a time. What's wrong with that? It's, it's, it's a, we're, we're playing the long game here. It, does, it feels boring. That's the answer, Chris, right? That's what people will tell you. And, it's not exciting. And that's why most people make the, the biggest mistake on New Year's is they take on too much, too much at once because there's all this excitement. Man, I appreciate the excitement, but any good coach is going to say, hold on, you're, you're gambling with something that's way too important here. And that's going to be your belief in yourself and your ability to actually keep these promises over time. Mm. So like a lot of people, they'll just try to take on a bunch and they'll, they'll, they'll change their body physically as much as they can in 90 days. And guess what happens after 90 days? They go right back to where they were before. No, take on one thing at a time, slowly start. Once you know, without a shadow of a doubt, you can keep that habit over and over and over again. And it's reflexive. Yeah. Then adopt another until you know you got that one down. Then adopt another. That's habit stacking in a nutshell. And I know we did a deep dive on habit stacking in one of our earlier podcasts. I want to say it was like maybe three or four or something like that. You can go yes. back and check the show notes because I, I know that Odette put that in there. But you did a master class really on that whole thing. Well, so. I, I appreciate that. And here's the thing. I didn't come up with any of this stuff. I'm simply re just regurgitating information that's coming out of all these amazing studies and all this research that's coming out. And that's, this is why... You'll see psychologists, you'll see therapists, you'll see exercise scientists. They're all suggesting habit stacking now because it works. There like it, is. it really is. It's, it's, it, it is the process for changing behavior over time. Love it, man. It's good stuff. I needed that. What a great man, podcast today. Me too. It was awesome. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this journey. Um, I promised you a funny story at the end of it. That's My good. mom's in town this weekend and we went out to eat uh, at the Sandbar, which is like a local Mexican restaurant here in town, right? And she got a taco salad. And, you know, I, I have as a habit when people are done eating, I'll typically look around at the table. How was, you know, how was your meal? What did you, what'd you think about this? And I said to my mom, I said, how was your salad? And she said, you know, it was all right. There was too much lettuce in it. <laughs> what did she expect? That's how I loved it, man. It was like my favorite. Everybody at the table started dying laughing. It was like. That would be the definition of a salad, me madre. Isn't that amazing? I love it, buddy. Love you too, man. What a fantastic episode. If I needed that, we'll see everybody next week. Don't forget to visit him online at chrispowell.com. We're actually set up right there where you can ask us anything, record your voice. We'll use it on this podcast. We would love an opportunity to serve you in that way. Absolutely. And, and, and where, where can they find you, my friend? Learn from people who lived it.com. Have a peek. We'd love to get in, do some self-care workshops for people. Talk a little bit about some of that inner child work that we were talking about earlier. Um, it's all game. It's all fair play. There you go. All right. Love there you guys. Go. See you next time.